Hello and welcome to Nousecast Shorts, a podcast that brings you short and sharp insights from the team at Nous Group, an international management consultancy. I'm your host, Ari Sharp, and today on Nousecast Shorts, we're talking to Ant Bagshaw, a Nous principal based in London who specialises in higher education. Ant has over a decade of experience working in regulation, student engagement, academic quality assurance and institutional governance. Lately, Ant's been thinking a lot about the future of universities, and one theme that's emerged is the trend toward modularisation. So just what is modularisation? What are the opportunities and pitfalls? And how does an organisation set itself up for success? Let's find out. Ant Bagshaw, welcome to Nousecast Shorts. Hi, Ari. Good to see you. And you've been exploring the prospects for modularisation at universities in the UK and around the world. Just what is modularisation and why is it in the spotlight? Well, Ari, you might think that this is a boring topic, but modularisation is really interesting, uh, particularly here in England. The government in the Skills White Paper earlier this year said that it wanted to introduce modularisation for higher education. Now, at the moment, uh, most students um, think about undergraduates, domestic undergraduates fund their education on a year by year basis. They take a loan from the student's loan company. Um, and what modularization would do would allow students to access higher education in a more bite-sized way, drawing down funding on a module-by-module module basis. So um, what you might call a subject in the Australian context or, or a course in some institutions, but, but really the, a, a smaller unit of a year, um, giving them much more flexibility to uh, flex up if they want to study more intensively or down if they've got caring responsibilities, work and so on, and giving um, real flexibility to the individual. And what are the key challenges when it comes to modularisation? What does the evidence show us? Well, modularisation works really well in theory. So we know that some systems, like in Australia, it's become a norm and, and it's very common for uh, for students to access education in that way and institutions have, have structured what they provide um, to allow for that. Here in England, it's much more normal for students to, to sign up to a traditional three-year undergraduate degree and to, to progress through. We've got very high completion rates um, at that level. And so modularization would be a real cultural change in terms of how uh, individuals think about accessing their higher education, but also how institutions provide that to enable the flexibility for example, credit accumulation and transfer, something that governments have been interested in for a long time. Some institutions are working that effectively, but I think modularization would provide the platform for, for much more transfer and, and movement around the system so that students can access the learning where they want it, how they want it, when they want it. And have you seen other universities put this into action and what does their experience tell us? So for, for universities in England, I think they should really be looking to the Australian system to see what it's like in practice. Um, rather than thinking about your offer in terms of a whole program, so thinking about a degree level unit of learning, actually thinking about how that breaks down into its components, thinking about the coherence that you've got at an individual module level and thinking how those stack together, how they fit. Um, for example, making sure that the the credit weighting fit such that they add together in a program architecture that provides the coherence for students to be able to access that learning in a modular way rather than having to commit to the full degree. One of the key questions, the big unknowns at the moment, is how much student demand there will be. 
So while this uh, is great in theory, what we also need to do is to try and understand, because we don't know because this approach hasn't been offered to the market so far, we don't yet know exactly how students will respond. Um, clearly, teasing out that unknown is a really important priority um, for for institutions um, to, to understand what the what the potential is, um, and they should absolutely be um, identifying ways to ask um, ask that question. Given what you've told us about modularization, what do you think universities should do? So on the one hand, I've said that modularization, we don't know what the demand is. So in an institution, you've got a question, which is, you know, to what extent should we act now, knowing that we're not sure what the consequences will be? Well, well, my response there is to say the actions you would take for the fully modularized system are good in their own right. So making sure that the program architecture is coherent, that you're telling a straightforward and efficient story to students saying this is how your learning can be organized. This is the, the way that you've got um, maybe not credit transfer between institutions, but within the university, allowing flexibility of pathways. Um, equally, when you're thinking about those long term investments, for example, around the student record system, um, making sure that those, those the infrastructure in which you organize your learning is built for the potential of modularization. And that's work that needs to be done now or, or in, in your program of uh, upgrades to um, how you think about policies, procedures, the, the systems to allow for modularization and, and not be caught out at some point in the future um, when, um, when it takes off. And it sounds like having access to good data is going to be really important to making this a success. What are the key data points that universities should be looking for? There's a few key data sources that, that universities need access to. So the first is on student demand and understanding students' behaviour around their around modularisation and, and how they will access learning, what information needs to be communicated to them, what preferences, choices, um, how they can access. Within institutions, really student load management is um, hugely important. So actually understanding how to connect more variable demand on a term-by-term, uh, semester-by-semester basis um, in order then to be able to timetable effectively, to, to use space, to, to, to allocate resources. Because rather than having your student population locked in for, say, three years, you've got much more flexibility, which means the institution needs to respond more dynamically to, uh, to the ebbs and flows in student demand. And I can see that it would be a big cultural shift at a lot of institutions in the way that they think about their relationship with students. What are the changes they need to make? So on the one hand, universities are often resistant to change and we'll, we'll see the, the downsides of modularization. We'll see the, the threat to program coherence. Um, we'll see the, 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 the disruption that this will cause to, uh, to learning and cohort building. Those are absolutely understandable fears around the potential for change. But on the other hand, there is huge opportunity to, to empower learners to say, well, yes, you, you have agency and choice about how to structure your learning, what to choose when, and on the institution side, taking responsibility for that program coherence is, you know, will, will remain, 
but it's putting more power in the hands of the student to um, to, to build their own adventure. And so, Ed, you've shown us an image of what it looks like when this is done well. What's the consequence of universities that miss the boat on this? That's a really great question, Ari. Um, there's a real risk to institutions that the modularization does take off and that those institutions which stick to rigid uh, program offerings, expecting students to sign up for uh, for the whole degree, then actually they'll just be less desirable in the marketplace. Um, whereas those that offer flexibility could be really well positioned to take advantage of, uh, of new demand. And we've heard a lot about universities and other organisations that are really focused on achieving their mission. How do you think modularisation can help contribute to that? So the universities that I speak to, they're all committed to ensuring the best possible outcomes for students. If those outcomes can be achieved through learning that is more flexible, and there is every reason to believe that empowering students to make considered and informed choices about what to learn and the structure of their learning, that can enable better outcomes. So, for example, we know how successful placements are in helping students to uh, access work later on. Now, we know that placements are particularly effective at securing good graduate outcomes. Where we, where we enable modularization, it enables work to fit more efficiently around learning. Therefore, by the time that a student has completed their award, they're, they're better placed uh, to access jobs um, and, to, and to apply that, what they've learned in the workplace. So, yes, with, there's a the potential, you might describe that as blurring boundaries between a university experience and the world of work, but that is the reality for so many students. They're already working, and actually the modularized approach would empower them to learn more flexibly and to access the work that um, uh, that they need to sustain themselves. And do you see applicability for modularization at both undergraduate and postgraduate levels? I think modularization has, has potential at all levels uh, of education. Uh, at the postgraduate level, because of the, the shorter length of awards, so typically um, less than a year, there is less opportunity, less, less, there's a less exciting opportunity to, to unbundle that and to, uh, and to pack it up in different ways. And, and there is, in fact, more, I think, more flexibility offered by many institutions at postgraduate. Really, the opportunities in the undergraduate space, particularly because of the way funding works on this on the year by year basis at the moment. And once the student loan company is able to unpack uh, its current systems and fund on a modular basis, so sort of by credit volume, um, then that will really be a, be a game changer for the sector. And you mentioned there the, the financial impact on a university. What's the potential upside of getting it right in a financial sense? So the universities that get modernisation right, first of all, they can operate more efficiently. So there are potential cost savings in terms of use of resource, efficient use of space. Um, but there's also huge opportunities for um, increased recru recruitment. So by providing that flexibility, by being a, a standout in a marketplace where some institutions embrace modularization and some don't, um, those that do have potential to access new markets to be able to recruit more students um, and, and ultimately to be more successful um, overall. And Bagshaw, it sounds like there's huge opportunities for universities that can get this right. Thanks for talking to Nascast Shorts. Thanks, Ari. Great to talk. That was Ant Bagshaw, a principal at Nouse Group. You can find Ant's article, The Pros and Cons of Modularization, Build Your Own Adventure, on the Nouse website. You can also contact him directly via email and LinkedIn. We'll provide details in the episode notes. Before we go, some information on us at Nouse Group. 
For more than 20 years, NAUS has offered a broad consulting capability that allows us to solve our clients' most complex strategic challenges and partner with them through transformational change. We've contributed to significant agendas in the UK, Canada and Australia, including shaping the future of higher education, digitally transforming service delivery and developing models of regulation. And since April, NAUS Group includes Cubane Consulting, the power behind Uniforum. The Uniforum program provides university management with the means to manage strategically their administration and support services, leveraging the power of information sharing, learning from one another and collaboration. You can find out more about NAUS and Cubane, meet our people and read our insights at our website. That's www.nausgroup.com. That's all for this edition of NAUScast Shorts. You can subscribe on your favourite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review us to help other people find it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.